Welcome back to the Oklahoma Today podcast, bringing you all the best our state has to offer. This week, we're cooking up some fun with culinary legend Loretta Barrett Oden, famed chef and driving force at the First Americans Museum's Restaurant 39. She's going to join us to talk about crafting a menu of native dishes that appeal to every palate. Sorry. Nothing. Sorry, I forgot to sound check us, but we're fine. We're fine. We're going. Okay, Let's, good. This is live. <laughs> uh, but first, a word from our sponsor. You are called to be bold. You have a right to the best wireless service, high-speed internet, and customer service at a price that you can feel good about. At Bravado Wireless, we know this, and that's why we put you and your community first. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Okay, let's get into our so controversial, we might get yelled at question of the week. We asked you, should breakfast be sweet or savory? I feel like we're going to tear this country apart. Uh, We would have had I posted this question when I meant to and not (laughs) this morning. morning. (laughs) So we have not as many answers. Visit visit us on Facebook. Yeah, please do. (laughs) Sorry about that. To see the arguments that are going to break out over this question. Uh, First up, Editor-in-Chief Nathan Gunner. This is a conversation in my household a lot because my husband hates sweet breakfast. Like, he doesn't want anything sweet for breakfast at all. He really doesn't like it. Like, even a pancake for the table is like, I don't want that. I know. I know. I My, my approach is a little bit more nuanced. So my thing, like, you need both. I just think you need both. I know that's such a cop-out answer, but like, if, like, typically, I'm more of a savory person. Like, I'd rather have chilaquiles or, you know, something a little bit savory and proteiny so I'm not hungry again two hours later. But like, if a place has French toast that sounds good, I'm getting it. You know what I mean? Huh. Like, yeah. I love a good French toast. And it's seen a side of bacon or sausage or something for protein but okay. yeah I think you need both I, I really do think you I will both. say of the sweet breakfast French toast is probably the one that actually does the most like savory yeah. work since it has eggs in it yeah yeah that's fair uh, I mean my, my breakfast every morning just on a regular weekday is a smoothie like a blueberry spinach and protein powder smoothie so like that's you know so you go sweet yeah, fairly regular sweet for, yeah it's sweet during the week but like that's not that's healthy like that's not yeah. <laughs> it's Sweet, it's not healthy, like, not, su- not sweet. Yeah, but it does reward. taste like a chocolate berry shake. So okay. that's nice. Yeah. Managing editor Carly Ibarra. Um, I'm kind of the same way. I have heard that if you pair, if you have a protein first and then you have something that's sweeter, it doesn't spike your blood sugar as much. Hmm. So smart. Yeah. So I always do like eggs and probably some kind of potatoes and then some sort of sweet thing at the end, like a pancake for the table. Or if it's like a special, you know, thing, I'm, I'm vacationing or something and like they have an amazing sounding French toast, for mm-hmm. instance, I might get that and then just get like two eggs on the side or something yeah. like okay. that. But yeah, generally start with savory. I think we can all just agree that French toast is... I love, yes. Yeah. <laughs> French toast is a wonderful thing. pretty awesome. Photo Megan Rossman, you've had breakfast once. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think like most people, I prefer to combine savory and sweet. Um, I like to eat some pancakes with like bacon and eggs. But if I have to choose, then I would choose savory because I like... The three B's, the burrito, biscuits, and Benedict. The three um, B's of breakfast. And potatoes. Yeah. you got to have potatoes. That's not a B, Carly. B. It's a potato. <laughs> Batata. <laughs> Another language is yeah. very delicious potatoes. <laughs> so, yeah. No, but I, I do love uh, some pancakes. So. Good. 
good. I like that there's a three B's breakfast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's nice. I feel like that should come up in a feature at some point. <laughs> <I agree. laughs> uh, uh, research editor Ben Lucian. I bet another B. Ben, yeah, that's right. B. Oh, he's the fourth B, B of breakfast. B. Yeah. Uh, what if I took a really hard line stance and said sweet only? Wow, only sweet. that would be controversial. What if I did that? What uh, if you did? Are you doing that? Uh, I could. We could play devil's advocate. I don't know here. what's happening on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I do love. I love donuts. Um, so shout out to donuts. Um, if realistically, though, uh, I need a savory element. Like I, I can't go like all sweet. I'll just be hungry later. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. the thing. Um, but if I can incorporate sweet into into the mixture, uh, absolutely, I'm yeah. gonna do that ten out of ten times. Fourth B of breakfast is Brown's Bakery. <laughs> and the oh. fifth B, uh, I guess. Not, not, not anymore. anymore. But, but they're resurrecting. Oh, yeah. They? yeah, they're coming back at some point. What about you, Greg? Uh, <laughs> I, I think that if... I think adding a sweet element is fine, but it's it. I have to have something savory. Yeah. If, if it's mm-hmm. all sweet, I can't do it. Even if I'm going to a donut shop, I'm going to get a donut and a sausage roll. Oh, like, yeah. there's just no getting around it. Uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of pancakes for the table, uh, mm-hmm. as everyone knows. I think that there's... I, but I can't imagine having a breakfast that's, like, 100% sweet. It just... That, that would blow me out for the entire day. Yeah, it's just pebbles. You'd have such a crash. You'd have such a sugar crash later. Fruity pebbles, is that what you just said? Fruity pebbles. Why not? That's a great breakfast. I love them. Uh, I, I will say I have... I don't I, know if it's a nutritious breakfast. It's part of this complete breakfast. Remember those commercials of the yeah. 80s? Like, the part of this complete breakfast was like 900 things <laughs> yeah. on the table because the cereal's so bad yeah. for you? Yeah. I, I it's will usually say, fortified. I have found that, yes, Yes. <laughs> to make sure it can't be sieged. It's like four bran muffins and six grapefruits. And yeah. Yeah, it's hilarious. So this complete breakfast was always really funny to me. I am, I, I gotta say though, I may be the only one here, but I am like rapidly anti French toast. Really? Just, you don't like French toast? I, I do not like French you toast. You know, I will eat French toast, but I usually, I would, it's usually not as good as I feel like it could be. That's. I, I would say it has to be an above and beyond. Like if it's it, going to be my main course, I have to. French toast. It has yeah. to stand out above and beyond everything else on the menu. But which I've, sometimes it does. I've gotten some French toast that I've been like, "What is this stuff?" Like it is, <laughs> it, and that is not the language I use. If I it believe looks it. Looks like somebody legit just like pasted scrambled eggs on the outside of a piece of toast like that. I'm like, no, no, you have done this wrong. That's. But I've had them. I've had those French toasts where it's just like, wow, I'm catching a lot of egg here. It looks like looks like somebody started off with scrambled eggs and like, hold on, that was French toast, and they just throw some milk and bread mm-hmm. into it. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Did we have any? Did, did anybody? Uh, we haven't we, been up for long, but how we long? Did. What did people we did. say? Uh, well, and they are uh, fence sitters just like the rest of us. Okay. Glenda Robinson said Not both. To commit. And uh, Judley, always my favorite answer to a this or that is yes. Uh, uh, LOL. I, I, no, I mean, I, I've been there. I Do you agree. know why that makes really good French toast is Loretta Odin? Whoa, that is an award-winning seg. <laughs> uh, you're right. We should talk to author, TV host, and all-around amazing chef Loretta Bear Odin from the First Americans Museum. And we are very pleased to have Chef Loretta Barrett Odin with us today uh, from 39, the restaurant at the uh, First Americans Museum, but also uh, uh, 
cookbook author, uh, television host. Uh, Loretta, thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. I'm delighted to be talking with you again. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Well, so our, our listeners and readers will uh, will want to stay tuned uh, uh, early next year. We've got a, a story that features the uh, features 39 and the first Americans Museum. Uh, but but I wanted to talk with you uh, kind of before then. You guys are doing some really fun stuff at 39, including uh, a menu refresh, which is which is uh, kind of a new deal uh, since it's a fairly new restaurant. Um, t- first of all, I guess, tell everybody a little bit about your history with uh, Native American cooking. Oh, do, do I have to go back that far? Really? <laughs> <laughs> See, I, well, you know, my, I guess... son Clay, my son Clay and I opened uh, the first corn dance cafe in Santa Fe, New Mexico in 1993. Uh, so I go back that far professionally. But before that, you know, I guess I've been cooking since I was a kid, which I'm not going to say how far back that goes. <laughs> 1992. Yeah. 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 At least. (laughs) Uh, You know, the I think that there is a lot of I don't even know if I'd say confusion. I think there's just a lot of people who have no idea what uh, Indian tribes ate. Um, uh, you know, what, and, and you're part of what you do is you're a historian. Tell me a little bit about, um, kind of the, the, there, there is no one thing, right? Uh, oh, I, no, it's, no, it's, no. you know, everybody was all over the country. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a veritable plethora of, <laughs> of, of foodstuffs, you know, um, I, and I always, you know, have to kind of chuckle or or scowl mm-hmm. when I think about how how many other people's foods we eat in this country. Right. <laughs> you know, Thai, uh, Mongolian barbecue, French, Italian, what have you. But really, uh, you know, just a scarcity of anything really relating to a food's Native American or yeah. First Americans. Um, so everything that was here. Uh, pre-contact before that guy stumbled ashore, uh, <laughs> kind of got lost and ended up uh, not uh, in uh, where he not was headed. India. Yeah, not in India. Uh, hence why we're called Indians. Yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, the ingredient base that I work with and what we ate, of course, regionally, seasonally and all of that, I, I liken it to maybe take all of Europe mm-hmm. and put Italy, France, Germany, you know, everything together, very different foods um, along with different languages. You, t- you take North America, South America in much the same way. We were very, very different tribes, very different regions. So the people from the Northwest coast are eating salmon and all the great things from the ocean and the rivers and the forests um, uh, in the middle of the country. We're chasing down buffalo and uh, we're eating, you know, rabbits and corn, beans, squash. You know, the ingredient base is absolutely phenomenal when we really start to look at what foods were in the Americas pre-contact 
even before all of the stuff came over from the old world. Yeah. Um, the ingredients are just mind boggling. And so we did, we ate according to where we lived, you know, what grew there, whether we were in the desert or whether we were in the mountains or on the coasts yeah. uh, or the rivers. And, and so when you're putting together a menu for uh, for 39, which is uh, the, the name comes from uh, the number of of uh, tribes in Oklahoma, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. So so when you're pulling together a menu for this, you really, in a lot of ways, have an almost unlimited base of ingredients to draw from. I mean, pre-contact, there was still so, so much, which is why you see things on on the menus that, that do include fish, that do include bison uh, and, and things like that. But but um, I guess in addition to the ingredients, uh, part of what you do is is looking at some of those cooking methods as well and and how the how these dishes came together. Um, what what is the I guess uh, what are some of the differences in the cooking styles between uh, some of the the European styles that that obviously came over with with uh, um, uh, with the settlers for the European settlers uh, versus uh, the ways that things were were cooked here uh, pre contact. Yeah, I think probably the only cooking method that would be um, not indigenous to the Americas would be deep fat frying. (laughs) But (laughs) then again, you know, um, we did render fat from various animals. Uh, We just didn't really, well, we didn't have the the metal pots to begin with, you know, once the metal pots started coming in. But I have seen amazing cooking going on in woven baskets. Mm. You know, in which we put the ingredients like uh, acorn meal and what have you and drop in hot rocks from a fire comes to a boil and we've got porridge. We've got acorn mush, you know, much like cornmeal mush. So cooking in baskets was very common. Um, They they had to have a knack for picking the right kind of stones to use that wouldn't shatter when they hit the cold liquids. But, you know, there was such an art to all of the different cooking methodologies, much like in the old world. Yeah, I, that is, you know, it, it, it really is. It's fascinating. And, and I hear, um, you know, I, I, you and I are both uh, pretty big fans of food, uh, spend, <laughs> spend a fair amount yeah. of time uh, <laughs> thinking about and, and, and looking at and eating food. You know, I think there's a, a lot of folks who don't, I guess, who just don't even fathom uh, how differently things were done, but also that, you know, it, it's, it's, um, I don't know, life finds a way. Is that, is that the best way to say it? I mean, people are, uh, are going to eat and they're going to eat what they have and they're going to find a way to make it the best thing that they can. And so, uh, it, which is, again, I, you know, brings us to the menu at 39 and, uh, for anybody who has not, uh, been, uh, I, I highly recommend, but you can go to it's, it's 39 spelled out restaurant.com. Uh, and you're going to be able to find all of the, uh, uh, menus and information, uh, about the restaurant. I, 
I, I was blown away when I tried the corn ribs. That was one of those <laughs> that just it's it's simple, but it's also brilliant. And and um, and I think that it 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 combines some of the best in um, like snacky eating. I don't know. It, it, the form factor is so perfect to grab and nibble on, but it's also a, a whole food. You know, it's not like uh, it's been worked to death so much that you can't tell what it is. And, and that I feel like is the same with a lot of stuff at 39, you really can tell what this food is rather than, you know, it being some sort of a, a chemistry uh, uh, combination of just whatever. Yeah. I, you know, I believe that since we do have such an extraordinary uh, uh, amount of ingredients to work with, I like to pick the best of the best and do as little to it, you know, to this ingredient as possible and let that flavor shine through. Um, you know, we've all gotten into so many complicated and processed uh, food yes. stuffs that I like to take the natural product and just let that flavor uh, and the color and everything shine through. The corn ribs I thought that we were really being innovative with that. And then about, I don't know, you know, several months ago, I see it on the menu at Cheesecake Factory. And I'm going, what the heck? You know, but it's a, well, you know what? With a menu that large, eventually they're going to accidentally make some Native American food, really. That's oh, absolutely. The- <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, um, when you are, uh, you know, and one of the something I, I want people to know is that even when we talk about um, food that has been uh, interfered with as little as possible and presented in a very straightforward manner, uh, it still is very comforting. There's nothing, I don't think there's any dish I saw um, uh, or ate or, you know, on the menu, but there was nothing that I felt had a, um, a high degree of difficulty, a, a, a you know, a point of entry that would scare people off so much of it really. I mean, there's a, there's a Turkey sandwich on there. There's uh there's yeah. a bison burger. There's, there's fish tacos. Right. There's a lot of things that are, that are, uh, very familiar, uh, just done in a, in a different way. And, and frankly, I, I have to say just in a very delicious way, you guys have have really killed it on this thing Uh, thank you yeah when when people don't understand a cuisine and they think you know well it must be exotic or weird or they're eating grubs and bugs which you know can be pretty tasty (laughs) and uh but yeah i you know it's it's the it still astounds me. I've been cooking professionally for 30 plus years and um, still kind of can't figure out why, you know, this particular food category genre is not as, um, uh, you know, it's not a McDonald's on every corner. It's, yes. you know, uh, but this is the first food, you know, we were kind of here first and, um But because of circumstances and history, uh, you know, doing what it did, uh, our food really, you know, got changed. We were removed from homelands 
Uh, hence, we were moved into different areas where perhaps we weren't familiar with what, you know, if I'm coming from the Great Lakes region, which my ancestor did into Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not finding wild rice and white fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's it's all of that, um, all of that removal and uh, history has had something, you know, to to do with with how our food has not risen to the top. But that cream is, but we didn't have dairy either. So that <laughs> that cream is is rising to the top because I'm so excited to see that we have a lot more Native restaurants opening. Yes. We had our first ever Native American James Beard Award woman yeah. chef uh, this year, a Wampanoag woman. And so I'm going, yes, you know, we're going to get there. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. And, and I think there's also, it, it's, it's like people convince themselves that they're not going to like it before they even <laughs> take a look. You know, um, vegetarians and vegans might go, well, they're definitely it's all it's going to have some meat in it because this is like being cooked in the in the old ways. And then you've got a bunch of, you know, uh, people who are vehemently against being vegan or vegetarian who are who are it's like, well, they can't have any meat in there, I'm sure. And then you go and look at the menu and there's not only is there vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free items, but there's plenty oh, yeah. of stuff that's just extremely inviting for omnivores of all sorts. Uh, I, I gotta say one of the, one of the dishes that really blew me away when we tried it was the hominy stew. Um, ah, yes. <laughs> I just, I, I cannot get over um, how it, it was it was so different than I thought it was going to be going in. Um, it was sweet and it was savory and it had it had spice, but it wasn't like over the top hot or anything. It really was. It was it was so beautifully blended together and, and the sense of momentum. Uh, eating that dish every bite had me uh and and uh and everybody else who was getting to taste it going back you know it's like you just you want to take another bite you want to know what it is that you're missing what's that flavor when you're trying to pin it down and and, and i love that and i really love the idea that that 39 is a restaurant where you're going to have those surprises in so many dishes because because you are uh you're making very comfortable food, but you're, but you're doing it with ingredients and methods uh, and, and, and flavor profiles that are not um, maybe not the norm for everybody, but they're also not so far out of left field that, that it's going to be like, you know, trying to eat an alien dish or something like that, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the hominy stew you know, has its roots in where I was for 10 years in Santa Fe with pozole. Yes. And yeah. And uh, so our director wanted pozole on the menu, but it sounded too Santa Fe, too <laughs> Southwestern. I said, well, heck, it's hominy, you know, exactly, it's hominy yeah. too. And, uh, you know, we in Oklahoma certainly can identify with hominy. But, you know, this 
what I love and what I hope to have more opportunity to do is to tell the stories behind these foods. Yes. You know, the hominy and, you know, hominy comes from the corn that has been processed through uh, a nixtamalization, boiled with wood ashes or, or cow in Mexico. But that's what releases the nutrients uh, yeah. in the corn, you know, because when we eat corn, it kind of exits the same way it, it went in, and uh, we we're not really getting any any nutrients out of it because yeah. we don't have two stomachs like a cow. So, well, speak for but yourself. By, but yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but by this process, this ancient, ancient, old process uh, of of uh, uh, nixtamalizing this corn, and it loosens the hole. It puffs up and gets fat and fluffy and uh, turns into hominy and uh, gives us all the niacins that we wouldn't get from eating just corn, you know, yeah. corn on the top, off those corn ribs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, there are cooking methodologies that are tens of thousands of years old. And uh, it's the story behind this food and the medicinal uh, aspects of this food. Uh, it's, it's really a story that needs to be told. And I hope and try to do that on my menus and then go out and, you know, touch tables. Of course, I peek and see if they've liked the food first. Sure. Before I go, <laughs> before I I want to go out bragging when they, when they haven't touched it. <laughs> right. Well, you know, um, one thing we had talked about is that uh, that you all were doing uh, one of the first menu refreshes. What what's some of the stuff that's uh, that that's coming to thirty nine? And also, um, I, I'd like to get into this maybe a little bit later. But but um, I, I want people to know when because that that's kind of been one of the challenges with thirty nine is that that you guys are not yet open for dinners, but you oh. do have lunches, you have brunches. Um, and, and I think that when, when people get an idea of not just what's on the menu, but when uh, to go get it, that that it's going to be, uh, uh, well, I was going to say land run, but that has some uh, negative connotations. Uh, well, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's like now. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, land run. I, you know, that <laughs> I have. I'm, on my dad's side of the family, you know, my great grandmother was, you know, a, a passenger in a wagon on one of those land. Yes, rides. exactly. <laughs> so it's like I'm kind of going, whoa, wait, you know, what are we doing here? Um, but uh, we launched the menu uh, over the weekend. And uh, well, actually, on Friday, uh, we launched okay. the new menu items. We kept what you know, what was really selling well, we kept our goodies because man, if it ain't broke, don't fix it exactly, and yeah. leave them alone. But we've added, um, the director wanted an Indian taco on there. And you know my feelings about fry bread. I, you know, yes, I, I, do. I, I, I relented and I have fry bread on the menu, but I, that was pushing me a little too far, <laughs> that Indian taco. So I said, got a deal for you. Uh, let's do a, a blue corn fish taco. And it's killer. It's really, really good. Um, really proud of, of how that turned out. And I've added an old fashioned shrimp cocktail. 
Oh, with that good old red, you know, cocktail sauce, just like um, I love I love the old fashioned cocktail sauce with uh, ketchup, you know, in it and a little bit of uh, horseradish and that sort of thing. Because when I was a kid, uh, shrimp were too expensive for kids to eat. So I yes. got to eat that little shredded up lettuce with the cocktail sauce in it. In the bottom of the little. Yes. <laughs> so I ate, I ate lettuce, cocktail sauce, and crackers. So I throw the shrimp away. <laughs> so we we have a shrimp cocktail, pretty pretty straightforward on the menu. Um, oh, now you're going to ask me what else we have, and I don't have that menu in front of me. Oh, my goodness, what did we add? Oh, surely I have it here. Well, Maybe. Um, you know, the, yeah. the three cheese bison skillet was a new one yes. to me. Um, and I really I love the idea and it, the blend of cheeses that that you chose for this are not what I had expected. And granted, you, as we said, you know, dairy was not a huge part of the. <laughs> Huge no, diet. no, but, we, but you know, the, the, only, the only dairy you were going to get is if you could chase down a buffalo out there on the plains and get some of that buffalo mozzarella. Right. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many times I've been asked that question. I, I have no <laughs> doubt. I have no doubt. <laughs> but, well, so it, it's kind of funny that there is mozzarella in the three cheese bison skillet. I that's that's almost right. like a nice and, little inside joke for folks. And and Havarti, you know, for yeah. heaven's sakes. Yeah. Uh, and then we throw in a little bit of that good old government Kamad cheese, <laughs> that yellow cheese food product That's that no, I can remember. So well. Oh, yeah. I can remember it when it came in a plain brown wrapper. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I love the way that you have uh, the, the menu really does reflect the way that you can take some of those uh, heritage crops and and turn them into uh, some of the the things that people recognize in, in a new way. The the hominy white bean hummus I thought sounded so cool and and using a sage pesto uh, using the the sumac uh, it it is a great way to add those. Uh, really local and American uh, heritage flavors, but in a form factor that is so comfortable to people now with with a uh, with a, uh, a hummus that you know just like it's such a great little way, and, and you can dip and taste as much as you want. It just I love that idea so much because it I feel like that's a great way to kind of bridge the gap between uh, what people know and are already used to uh and 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 the learning which is you know uh which, which really is a, a part of what 39 is there for it, you guys are as much a a restaurant as as a uh in some ways a teaching um uh implement because there's so much the inside the museum that you see and then when you come and sit down in 39 you're really seeing a, a menu that says that hey this is not first Americans are not history. We're still here. And, and, and not exactly. only are we here, but we're a part of everything. And we're, and we can, we can do this too. There can be all sorts of fusion cuisines using native ingredients and, and different cooking methods. Absolutely. You know, it's, and that's what I, I love about what we're doing. And today I might add 
Uh, I've been, you know, wishing, wishing, wishing for a garden uh, for ever so long. And we have that huge construction process project going on out there. But we just had our first uh, patio uh, containers Um delivered today so we're going to do a container garden out on our patio which was really quite bare uh, they didn't take into consideration the oklahoma winds and umbrellas <laughs> <laughs> and we have kind of a wind tunnel happening out there so instead i'm taking that whole patio area and planting a garden and uh, so we're going to be growing, you know, corn, beans, squash, uh, our herbs, our edible flowers, uh, amaranths, uh, all kinds of, you know, great things that help tell the story. Uh, and then people will see that growing out there and then they can see it on their plate. You know, I'm yes. really, really excited about that. TSET is sponsoring our program uh, through their Shape Your Future um, health program. And we're, we're really excited about it. So I was out there, you know, we were placing the first containers, uh, we're going to be doing composting and I'm going to be growing some nice big old worms, not only for the garden, but for me to go fishing with. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, one, one other thing that I noticed on the new menu that, uh, that really popped out to me is I feel like, um, when it comes to bison, people eh, maybe have had a bison burger. Uh, they might, might have had a bison steak, which if you, I, listeners, I believe me, if you can have yourself a nice bison ribeye, please oh. go for it. It's one of the, one of the best oh. steaks you'll ever have. But yeah. the, you guys are doing a barbecue bison brisket sandwich. And I, I truly love the idea of taking a, a meat that frankly, is not terribly exotic, but it's just something that a lot of people haven't tried for whatever. I mean, I, I put it on the same level as venison in many ways. Uh, you know, it's it's a red meat and, and you can cook it and, and by braising it and smoking it, uh, being able to kind of render uh, that meat in such a way that makes it so tender, uh, it, which is one of the issues I think that people have with bison is that it, it can be drier just because it has a lower fat content. Uh, right. It's very, very lean. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's and it doesn't it doesn't fare well if you're eating a steak, uh, you know, much past uh, mid rare, you know, <laughs> yes, rare yeah. to medium rare. If you, if you want that steak well done. Uh, it's going to be chewy. <laughs> yes, like yeah, or you, or at least you better cut it into medallions and and hope. Uh, but right. I, I love using green onions and squash pickles. And, and I wanted to know a little <laughs> bit more about that thirty nine house barbecue sauce. Oh, I'm just a secret recipe. Okay. You know that. You know, it's like I have to. You know, I was trying to get the secret recipe. I used to be involved with married to the family uh in the family of van's pig stand oh yeah uh, being from shawnee and yes and so i uh you know called and said can we get van's barbecue sauce you know we want to use that and so they they don't sell it retail anymore um that i've been able to find and so they're not willing to give me the recipe so we had to come up with our own barbecue sauce recipe and, you know, again, I can go back to what's indigenous. You know, it's 
got ketchup in it. Well, that's tomatoes, you know, which are very indigenous. Yeah. And all of the, you know, all of the, the chilies, the, you know, that's pretty indigenous. In fact, barbacoa, you know, that was being done in uh, on the islands, you know, long, long ago over very smoky, wonderful fires. Uh, so barbecue is not new to Indian country. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Uh, you know, um, now, now, uh, right now it's it's lunches and brunches. Um, you you had mentioned to me though that that uh, ideally you are hoping to move into uh, dinners uh, sometime soon. Yes, we're really hoping. You know, the construction out there, which is going to be fantastic. That Okana project of the yes. Chickasaw Nation is going to be spectacular. And uh, so I know that we'll have, you know, that will certainly increase uh, our business. Um, when we opened this restaurant, we went through the pandemic, uh, you know, uh, and we're still having the same employee crunch that everyone else in the industry is having. So we're just biding our time with, you know, doing what we can do now and get into dinner soon. But man, I am really waiting for that because then I can blow out all the stops. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much I want to do uh, for uh, on the dinner menu. And uh, so that will be coming. I'm I'm guessing maybe early to midwinter okay. um, that we'll, you know, be able to launch. And certainly in between, uh, I want to do some wine dinners, special event dinners, um, uh, Wine tastings, whiskey tastings, beer tastings. Uh, that'll always, that'll draw people in for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to point out was uh, that you guys have a very native uh, bar menu as well. Uh, um, uh, it's Skydance Brewing, correct? Is that the? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is Native American owned and and almost all of the, and I, actually all of the beers, I believe, have uh, have kind of a, a, a native name that goes with it uh Skoden and and uh <laughs> right we have some really really fun uh cocktails that yes. aside from their funny you know kind of res um uh names are really quite quite delicious one of my favorites of course is you know I love the prickly pear tunas oh, and all of that yes. such a delicious fruit and I could not get away with not having a prickerito <laughs> <laughs> So delicious. And they and, let me do it. They let you me know, do it. <laughs> it's so perfectly sweet and tart. Like it just, you can't, I, I think that's in many ways kind of a perfect uh, combination, the margarita and the prickly pear. It, it really oh. goes together well. Oh, absolutely. You know, they're both desert dwellers and uh, uh, the tequila. I'm a big fan of tequila and uh, mezcal is also one of my favorites. And yeah. we have some really nice selections. You know, being only open for lunch kind of, you know, diminishes our <laughs> cocktail awareness. Um, those old days of, of the martinis for lunch have kind of gone by the wayside. But once we get get back up, you know, and running full speed, the cocktails are really something people should try. Oh, Do it for brunch. You know, you don't yes. have to go to work after brunch. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you we can't. Have cocktails you, for brunch. We can't just have a three prickery to lunch anymore, but. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we do a really nice smoked drink. So I, yes. I love, you know, what we're doing with the cocktails. We have a fantastic um, uh, restaurant bar manager. She started out as our, our bartender and now she's the front of house supervisor. And But she still gets back there and makes some killer drinks. Yeah. And they're yeah. fun to try. Well, uh, Loretta, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and talking to us. Uh, I really I cannot uh, uh, tell our listeners any more forcefully. You really do. You need uh, you got to head over to 39. I, I recommend uh, looking at the website 39restaurant.com, uh, but but also just like make the time, get over there for, for lunch or brunch. Um, it's, it's great, great stuff. And honestly, I can't wait to see what you do with dinner. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. Oh, thank you. And I can, I might add, you do not have to pay a museum entry fee to dine. Yes. So just come in that either entrance, the exchange entrance and just say, I'm going to eat. Yeah. And uh, you don't have to pay. <laughs> you have to pay me to eat. Yes. <laughs> Uh, we, we'll get you one way or another, one way or another. Right, well, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Loretta, thank you so much, and uh, and I hope we can talk to you again soon. Oh, absolutely, Greg. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Still haven't eaten there. Top of my top of my bucket list of places yes. to eat. Yes. Well, uh, uh, I I we uh, um, Megan and Lori and I got to have a little bit of food there when we were interviewing uh, Loretta for a, an upcoming story. Oh yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, and highly recommend. Really, really did love that food at Thirty Nine, and I can't wait to go back. And I would really love. I, I'd love for us to have a a staff lunch there. If we yeah. <laughs> have you guys? Did you guys see the announcement this week about the Horizons District? Mm-hmm. The, that whole area over there is going to be called the Horizons District, and there's a whole bunch of, like, uh, uh, Exhibit C, the Chickasaw Gallery, is moving over there. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, so there's going to be a lot of, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of really cool stuff, but the city is is districting it, mm-hmm. so it's called the Horizons District. Good. Yeah. I know, Art, it's going to be neat. restaurants, I know. See it out the window over know, there. Yeah. going to have some uh, entertainment options over there, too. Yeah. I think it's, honestly, I think it's wonderful, and it's something that, um, as much as I love the uh, Oklahoma River and the River Sport District mm-hmm. and everything, that is not necessarily for everybody whereas I feel like yeah. this is going to be a lot a lot that's easier fair, yeah. to kind of get the whole family over there. That's true. Like you go to the River Sport District, it's a lot of fun, but you go there for for the physical activity and yeah, that's Generally, true. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be cool though. That's yeah. going to be really cool. It's such a visible part of the it's like you said it's a visible part of the city and something that a lot of people see because it's right there at that intersection of I40 and I35. So Absolutely. I think it's going to be nice. Yeah. Yay. Well, uh, it is now time for us to once again plumb the depths of travelok.com's calendars for our weekly pod events and for First up this week, we're going with Nate. So, um, oh, I have to sing again because <laughs> I got I got one that's too good. It, just and it just goes so everybody like this. knows, he writes these himself. No, so he has, to, write, has yeah. to sing again. But when you have an event called the Black Buggy Day <laughs> and you don't do, oh, Black Buggy, Ram Lamb, oh, Black Buggy, Ram Lamb. All right, but if you're more into homemade jam than Ram Jam, uh, this is the event for you. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't, the, there's literally no bridging that song to this event. Uh, <laughs> this Saturday, September 16th, 
16th, the town of Shoto will host Black Buggy Day, not Black Betty Day, Black Buggy Day, <laughs> to celebrate its local Amish community with food, arts and crafts, bluegrass music, and children's games. Dig into authentic food and homemade goodies, including hot chicken and noodles, fresh breads and pies, smoked ribs, and kettle corn. I'm already really hungry now, wanting to go to this. In addition, enjoy standard fair foods such as funnel cakes, corn dogs, and barbecue sandwiches from a variety of vendors. Ice cold watermelon, ice cream, and lemonade will also be available. Food is nearly everything, of course, but in between bites, visit arts and crafts booths or peruse many of the antiques for sale as well as homemade items, jewelry, quilts, and more. Enjoy live bluegrass and western swing music from local musicians or bring the kids for old-fashioned races of the sack, three-legged, and stick horse varieties. Kids will love the the wide variety of activities like mini buggy rides, pony rides, barrel train rides, face painting, and a petting zoo. Guys, this is like the best event of the year for kids. (laughs) And of course, the highlight of the day is the horsing around event where Amish men display their horsemanship by sorting cattle, running barrels, and participating in a myriad of fun activities in front of crowds and festival goers. Grab a seat by the corral set up in Shoto's City Park and watch participants attempt to hold an egg and a spoon and hang laundry with clothespins while riding on horseback. Come on! That should be in the Olympics, right? Yeah, okay. Is that not what dressage means? So fun! Stick around to see which Amish woman will be awarded the title of the Women's Skillet Throw. Oh. I know. This sounds so fun. Enjoy an Amish carriage ride, an antique tractor display, or place your bets to win this year's round of cow patty bingo. An event for the whole family? Shoto's Black Buggy Day is the perfect destination for old-fashioned fun. For more information, call 918-476-8317. Does that sound, that sounds like it, such a ball. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, Carly, I could just see uh-huh. it. You're just dying. I, you had me at Amish men doing <laughs> horse tricks. <laughs> It's going to be cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I mean, like I'm always more of a fan of Amish horses doing man tricks, but yeah, it's... I want some of those homemade chicken and noodles. You know oh, that stuff is yeah. great. Yeah. The, like those really thick noodles. Yeah. Oh, those are so mm-hmm. good. I was yum, driving yum, yum. my corn not too long ago, and I was like, oh, I could stop at the corn cafe, but I had already eaten three meals at that point, so I'll just have some <laughs> Amish food it. at Black Buggy Day. It's worth It's worth uh, battling a food coma <laughs> on for the 70 miles home for that place. It's a really good restaurant. <laughs> anyway, that's my event. Yeah, and, and a great one. I know. Uh, Carly, what you what do you got this week? Changing tone a little bit here. Um, are you haunted by your past mistakes? Yes. Do mm. the goblins of regret plague your heart? Yes. Forget your troubles and try being spooked by something a little more fun for a bit during the Downtown Norman Ghost Tour. Hmm. Jeff Provine, one of Oklahoma's most preeminent experts on the strange and unusual, guides this 80-minute jaunt down Norman's Main Street on September 16th and relates terrifying tales, including that of a long-dead bar still plying his trade, eerie eateries, and a gangster who sleeps with the fishes, metaphorically of course, just east of town. Though there are dozens of spine-chilling stories, the tour only covers about a mile, so the walk itself won't leave you breathless, even if the content does. It's $12 to participate. Search for Downtown Norman Ghost Tour on Facebook to find more info and buy tickets. That's awesome. You can't get a better guide than Jeff. I know. We love Jeff. We've actually got him slated for an upcoming episode of the podcast. He's going to do our Halloween special. Awesome. I know. I feel like I kind of want to have him come in in person and sit in here with all of us and tell us ghost stories. I think that would be super fun. fun? We can turn the lights off. We'll get flashlights. We'll, We'll start a fire on my desk. <laughs> you, of course, won't be able to see it as listeners, but not all of this is for you. <laughs> 
By the way, if the bosses say no to the fire, we can just talk to Bridget about getting like a crackling yeah. sound. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it done. I've been ben, saying we need sound effects. Ben, what's your event this week? If it surprises you that Gaiman is home to one of the state's largest annual celebrations of Mexican and Hispanic culture, it really shouldn't. If you were in the area and time traveled back to the 1830s, well, you'd literally be in Mexico. Even today, around 50% of the population of Gaiman is Hispanic, the highest percentage of any city in Oklahoma. So, if you're looking for some true cultural immersion, look no further than the Gaiman Fiesta taking place downtown at the corner of 5th and Main Street this Sunday evening. Vibrantly dressed Mexican folk dancers and traditional music will flood the streets. You can clap along to the mariachi band or swing by to see the Gaiman Fiesta king and queen get crowned. There will be arts and crafts for the kids, as well as pinatas and tons of games to keep everyone entertained. And last, but most certainly not least, don't forget to bring your appetite because there will be an awe-inspiring abundance of Mexican grub like burritos, tacos, chimichangas, and so much more. The party begins around 4 p.m. and lasts until nightfall. Admission is free, but don't leave your house without your taco money. This won't be a problem for me because I never, never leave home without my taco money. For more information, call 580-338-6246 or visit MainStreetGuyman.com. My taco money! (laughs) I 100% thought Ben was going to end that with because I never, ever leave home. (laughs) We got to quit doing this right before lunch. I am dying. (laughs) Megan, what's your event? Theodore Roosevelt, Sammy Davis Jr., Johnny Depp, Captain Hook, and One-Eyed Willie are among some of the best-known people who succeeded wildly in life with only one working eyeball to see them through. Uh, Another one who soared his way to fame was Wiley Post, who was partially blinded in an oil rig accident. That didn't stop him from flying a plane, though. He's also credited with developing the first pressure suit and discovering the jet stream. His childhood town of Maysville will honor the state's most monocular man at the Wiley Post Festival on September 16th with a ping-pong drop, a fun run, water balloon and wet sponge relays, crafts, and a mechanical bowl, just like Wiley would have wanted. For more information, call 405-867-4748. Did you say Johnny Depp only has one eye? He only has one working eye. Really? Huh. I had no idea. I, yeah, thought, I didn't either. I thought Captain Hook had two eyes. Well, he's got a patch over one of them. Doesn't he? He has yeah. a patch over one eye. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a pirate. It's part of I the mean, uniform. <laughs> I think I think he does. If I, not, sorry, listeners. I wow. messed and, up. And, and sorry to James down. to James Hook, who has been once yeah. again defamed once, on the Oklahoma yeah. Today podcast. I'm going to call our First Amendment lawyer, make sure we're not on the hook for libel. <laughs> what do you got, Greg? Well, when you're trying to get someone who's... Oh, sorry. <laughs> He does have two eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he is a fictional character. That stays so. in. Okay. That stays in. Oh, okay, sorry, Greg. No, 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 no. This is, uh, <laughs> this is what it's here for. Uh, when you're trying to get someone into a new hobby or interest, you don't start with their worst examples. Nobody grabs dirty work or bridges to Babylon when they want to teach you about the Rolling Stones. And an exploration of the finest Italian cuisine rarely begins at a place with the words shack, bucket, or slurperama in the name. So, <laughs> 
So if you want to get into the rough and tumble world of opera, you're not going to start on some no-name work about Figaro's cousins, co-workers, friends, side hustle making wigs from carpet remnants. You want the good stuff. But also, sometimes the good stuff is only in Italian and you don't speak Italian. So, how about an English-language version of one of the most popular operas of all time, but adapted for some uniquely Oklahoman tastes? The Garvin County Choral Society and Sinfonetia have just what you're looking for, which is amazing, given how picky you're being right now. The Marriage of Figaro on the Ranch is a Western, American Western, not European, retelling of Mozart's classic comedy with Western props and English lyrics. Whether you have prescription opera glasses or it's your first time sitting in a chair while people perform without yelling the request for freebird head to paul's valley's high school auditorium for a great night the show is september 16th tickets are 2675 to 5250 and you can visit garvincountysings.com for tickets and more info sounds like fun right mm-hmm. yeah well the sound of somebody trying to reinflate deflator mouse means that this episode <laughs> of the oklahoma today podcast that's a special opera that's, joke for yeah. one uh <laughs> That means that this episode of the Oklahoma Today podcast is coming to a close. But if you can't get enough, head over to oklahomatoday.com, pick up our latest issue on newsstands right now, and send your feedback to oktpod at travelok.com, and we'll talk to you again next week. The Oklahoma Today podcast is a production of Oklahoma Today magazine and the Oklahoma Tourism and Recreation Department. Your hosts are Oklahoma Today editors Nathan Gunner, Greg Elwell, Carly Ibarra, Megan Rossman, and Ben Lucian. Theme song editing and production helped by Oklahoma Today's production manager, Bridget Sloan. For more information, visit oklahomatoday.com. Goodbye. Be gone, be gone, be gone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>